station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, movie mechanical person, Melissa Kirscher. <laughs> Hello. And uh, we are joined tonight by a frequent guest, my son, Alex. Yay. We're going to call him movie... Guru? Connoisseur? Thrill seeker. No, movie... Um... Movie tourist? Movie tourist, yes. Thanks. Tourist. I, yes. I took an analysis and criticism class in movies. I'm slightly more... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but see, where these come from, these titles come from, has something to do with the movie we're watching, young man. You should have and, figured this out by and, now. And Tim doesn't plan this ahead of time. No, I don't. No. I, I, I think don't. that's mostly where they come from. I'm mostly just here when the other hosts just can't, are sick. I'm <laughs> right. like the last resort. <laughs> <laughs> But well, and there are a lot of movies you haven't seen, which is yeah. convenient. So, uh, Alex, you are the person here who has not seen the movie that we're watching tonight, and I'll get more into what that actually means in a little bit. But uh, the movie we are watching is Westworld. Alex, tell us what you know about Westworld. Oh well, it's a TV show uh, that <laughs> I think it it was like on ABC or something. It's about like a Western area that's like super futuristic, but also like super old, right? And then uh, uh, that, that's what we're watching, right? Um, sort of, <laughs> sort of. And and by the way, when I say you know, kind of, I M Melissa and I have both seen the film. Uh, I. I'm pretty sure I've seen the film. Yeah. But it's been I'm, a really long time. I'm kind of in the same place. It's like I basically remember nothing about watching this yeah. movie. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot about it, mm -hmm. but I, I haven't, I have, it's been so long since I've been, been, had it, had it on the screen in front of me. I, I've, it's going to be mostly new for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be the first time for Alex and Melissa and I'll be going, so is this like I remember it or? <laughs> Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I know things about it. Oh yeah, that's well, why I'm here. I mean, yeah, you're. I don't. <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's <laughs> and I know a little bit about it, and that's why I'm here. Uh, it, it all evens out. It's like we're the three fates of movies. I think I've said that before. I think. Uh, well, I, but I, but I, I wasn't there. So am I like a replacement fate? Uh, the the, the Do third, fates have the understudies? Third, the third host is always the replacement fate. Always the <laughs> understudy fate. The replacement fate. That is a movie title if I ever heard of it. Oh, yeah. I, I want to see that one. The replacement yeah. fate. That sounds yeah. cool. Le okay, let's write that movie. Okay, <laughs> Whatever <cool. laughs> it might be. Hey, hey, out of the three of us, I know at least two of us are writers. Are you a writer? Uh, eh, two for three. <laughs> she's written. She's written things. Yeah. I'll give her credit. Um, so, well, I have a degree, but it's not in writing. So... Um, so anyway, a uh, few things about Westworld that we should share in the non-spoilers fashion we do before uh, we start watching the film. Uh, it's a 1970s film. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Early it 70s. Is, it is based on a novel by Michael Crichton. There are a lot of movies based on novels by Michael Crichton. If I remember <laughs> correctly, by the time he died, every single one of his novels had been made into a movie. That's kind of impressive, actually. I don't think it, that's quite... Quite true. But oh, that, that's just me guessing at all. That... <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to look a good, it up. A I... good number of them. Well, part of it is because uh, Michael Crichton started writing. Well, he he started writing when he was in med school, and then he quit med school and went out to Hollywood and started working in Hollywood as a writer. So, hmm. a lot of the stuff that he made was made specifically to be put on screen, and. This was Westworld was one of his very earliest efforts. This is a movie both written and directed by Michael Crichton. Ooh, mm -hmm. 
So we got serious Michael Crichton action. And obviously, yeah. we will address that more later. But I just mm-hmm. think I think it's our first Michael Crichton film. I think you're uh, right. Here on A Real Education, which is kind of a surprise given how many Michael Crichton films there are. Now, some of them are better than others. But, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, Timeline's not good. <laughs> But there are some decent ones, and this is uh, reportedly, as far as Melissa and I recall, a decent one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it uh, really should just be watched. So yeah. we're going to go yeah. and watch Westworld by Michael Crichton, uh, and uh, then we'll come back and we'll all talk about it together, as we do on this podcast. About to say that, as we do. Because it's our thing. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is our, it is, in fact. All right, we'll be back. Bye. <laughs> are back. Many tourists have been senselessly slaughtered. Yul Brenner has uttered very few lines, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. And uh, we have watched Westworld. Uh, so, Alex, you were the only person who has technically uh, completely never seen Westworld before. So the first person to talk is you. Well, I was the first person. To, but the first person to talk <laughs> about the movie is you. What did you think of Westworld? Uh, I mean, your thing for one was probably tangentially related to Westworld, so you're still the first one to talk about the movie. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, oh, yeah, the talk movie? about the movie. Oh, yeah, the movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought it was pretty fun. Like the, um, it was it it had kind of a weird pacing. Like when you think about movies that are like try and put up a normal atmosphere before things go to crap, it usually happens around the second act or so. But this is like things are like going only slightly ba- nor- only slightly beyond normal until bam, out the murder they decide to murder people at the beginning of Act Three, and it's like oh man, <laughs> right? Uh, it's. I don't know. I had I I had a lot of fun fun with this. It was very interesting to see the workings of this of this world, seeing it from the variety of different perspectives of just the people working there and the people doing it, and left it's also left ambiguous as to exactly what's going on. I don't know. I it's not it's not like the best ten films of all time material, but I I there. Are, only about ten of fil- fil- approximately films that would fit that criteria, I would say, <laughs> and they'd uh, be different for every person. Yeah, yeah they would be. But yeah, I, I, it was it was fun. I can see how this could be considered a classic. All right, well, that's good. Good response, mm-hmm. Melissa. You were like leaning forward as if you had something to say. I I was surprised. It's like I remember nothing of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like did. Did I ever actually watch it? I don't know. I mean, I maybe I'd only seen so many clips of it. I yeah. assumed I watched Cultural it. Cultural osmosis. But, it's a thing. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there, there. I, I knew the plot. I've known the plot forever, and uh, you know, at least just the basics of it. You've, you've got a theme park that goes amok, and and Yul Brynner becomes a murder robot, and who wouldn't love that? But you know, as I was watching this, I, it's like I can't properly say I recall seeing any individual scene of it. So this might actually be the first time I've ever actually seen Westworld. Yeah. But um, I really like, I, I really like the concepts that the movie raises and I like watching, 
uh, the things that come up in this movie, like especially the discussion of a computer virus, um, this was a really, really early film to be discussing something like that because the first actual computer, computer virus only predates this film by like a year or two. Well, really? Yeah. yeah so, and, and so the in the book that preceded it, like, then that came first? I think, well, the book... Um, I, I think, think the book was released like concurrently with the movie because oh. Crichton wrote the screenplay and the book oh. and he directed the film. That's kind of film. interesting. Uh, well, the movie Jaws, uh, when they made Jaws, uh, the movie studio purchased the book before the book came out. Yeah. yeah so that wasn't all that uh, unusual for the time. But anyway, like in theory – like in as in as part of scientific theory, computer viruses were kind of a a, a thought project as early as the 1940s. But the first computer virus was the Creeper virus, and it dropped on ARPANET in 1971, which would have been two years before this movie. But mm-hmm. Crichton has always been very interested in uh, bleeding edge technology, and like almost all of his scripts and movies involve some sort of cautionary tale about technology. Technology gone awry. I mean, Mm. I mean, or, you know, like perhaps his most famous film, which would be Jurassic park, which is also about an amusement park gone horribly, horribly wrong. And and like (laughs) dinosaurs being revived is technology. It is. Oh, it definitely is. It totally is. is. I mean, he was talking about cloning and Jurassic park, but the thing I remember most when Jurassic park came out was like, Nobody sat around and talked about chaos theory, and then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about chaos theory because of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think, um, uh, again, I'm probably in the same boat as you, Melissa. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I remembered Mm -hmm. very little. So maybe it's just I've seen lots of cuts of clips of Yul Brynner walking around looking menacing, (laughs) um, which is a significant chunk of the movie. So it's not like I didn't see a lot of it. But uh, it, it... it's a it, it's a really solid suspense piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, it suffers a little bit from the time in which it was made for I think modern viewers who are used to things moving at a slightly different pace. Well, this is set um, in the the uh, distant future of 1983. Oh wow! Right. <laughs> That seems a bit optimistic to me. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking back in 2018 is. Sure, revealing. Like, <laughs> like maybe it's just like a modern perspective, but if there's a movie set ten years in the future, I don't think that, I don't think that it would be wise to put like robots to this caliber in even that. Like, well, that, you know, it was the, the everybody was looking to the future. I I'm just impressed they didn't do like flying cars, because right? <laughs> you know that that's usually the gold standard of retrofuturism is flying, flying cars. cars. They they did they had a ground hovercraft. Yeah, but was, I mean that that I can kind of see. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a. I mean, it was very clearly yeah. built around the airplane experience. Yeah, when I first saw the shot, I was like, that doesn't look like the ocean. And I you know I'd kind of made the assumption it was like an island since they talked about a hovercraft. Mm-hmm. And it took me a little while to kind of make the switch to oh no 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 it's okay it's 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 they're going over ground. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. live with this. Hovercrafts actually can go over ground. Yeah, um, they're just not efficient enough in today's technology to be widely used. And it's going over a sea of sand. Sea of sand <laughs> to to the the Rome world. And it, um, I, I love how all the women are all into Roman world. It's like, 
<laughs> I suppose. I mean, if you if you think about Westworld and uh, 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 medieval world, it's like yeah. mm, women probably would not be all that yeah, into that, those particular uh, parts of history. Yeah, I don't know where <laughs> the fantasy help. comes in there. Yeah, I mean, it, I I'm I'm thinking at least the first woman who got interviewed in the little TV bit at the front. I'm thinking she's like, oh oh, I just came from an orgy. This was great. This is great. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the, the thing, you know, and there are always little niggling details in a movie like this that, that kind of nag at me. Like, why would they ever have given the robots real bullets? Why yeah. Would it, why yeah. would that ever happen? Yeah, who I, would do that? You, you wouldn't <laughs> even want to run the risk of the robot hurting a human being, so or, you wouldn't actually give them a weapon. Yeah. Why or would another you, human. It, why I'd even have more... guns in the first place? Why don't you just yeah. have a contact scan that it's like, sure. oh, hey, now there's going to be a fake blood splatter and the robot's going to fall why over. Why would you give the robot a real sword? Why would the robot not give yeah. like a, some kind of rubber sword? Or something just in that, case, yeah. yeah just because what if there, there there could be all sorts of accidents caused by the human that the robot could not counteract, yeah. mm-hmm. with its programming, um, you know. And why did the why did all the robots turn into killing machines? You'd think that some of the robots that had not had any programming for killing that they would they would not just turn into killing robots. Well, because um, a computer virus, Tim. Yeah. Sure. And I mean, I it, that's all that's all like, that's all suspension of disbelief. Let, let me let me bring this up here. Uh, okay, so the pixelated vision that Yul Brynner yeah, has in the movie. Yeah. Mm. Well, well, mm. that's an incredibly early use of computer graphics. Oh. The, apart from uh, seeing them on a computer screen, it took. Eight hours of processing to get those shots wow. per ten seconds of pixelate wow. pixelation. So that's the technology we're working with in 1973. Oh, yeah. And so I was actually really impressed yeah. with it, thinking about the time in which it was wow. made. Oh yeah, and 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 yeah, and, and naturally, that, Alex, you wouldn't have that. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the, about. I thought you know, you, you first think maybe it's some sort of camera lens that they use to create that pixelization or mm-hmm. something. And no, it's no. Uh, they actually generated that. Well, that's it, and that's that's impressive. Knowing that, you kind of go, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about where computer-generated imagery was about 15 years later, which was nowhere, not great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, um. Escape oh, no. from New York. Escape from New York, which was what nineteen eighty four, somewhere in there. Uh, so about ten years after this, Escape from New York. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. There is a sequence where they're showing this flyover mm-hmm. of New York City, and it's all. Um, it, it, it it's looks supposed to like, look like a computer generated sort of vector graphic. Yeah, it looks like vector yeah. graphics. They couldn't afford to do that sort of processing for the movie. They literally built a city out of cardboard, put fluorescent tape on the corners of all the buildings, and, that and was then less did expensive. an actual c- camera flyover Wow! with the reflective it le- tape. It was less expensive and probably took less time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... And, and this was 10 years prior to that. So this was... This was hot stuff. Yeah. In I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that huh. any second of Avengers Infinity War mm-hmm. has more computer effects than were in the entirety of Westworld. Yeah, well, there's... Any one second. <laughs> any one second. Just, just any... Pick a second. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, with the, like... 
I saw like a documentary that was like, even the things you don't even look at, like there's probably some sort of minor like color difference if the director's like, right. I want that shot to be a little bit bluer mm-hmm. or something. Right, which they, they can totally do now with digital filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, they can they can color correct and do all sorts of stuff. There's a great featurette about that on, uh, on the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Uh, extended edition DVD set. Um, Those production diaries are amazing. Are it's fantastic. Film, it's film school if in a want, box. Yeah, between between the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, little special features and the uh, King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong production diaries, those things are amazing. I don't care what you think about King Kong. I love it. I know most people don't. But the production diaries for King Kong are astounding. It's like one of them's like, here's the person who takes care of all the plants on the set. Yay. Here's how Foley works. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. There's a lot of Foley in this film, by the way, Westworld. Oh, yes. A lot of a lot of Foley of of walking and uh, a lot of Foley of horses splashing around. Kisplersh, kisplersh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Explanation. You don't know what Foley is? Okay, Foley work is. no. Okay. I thought we talked about this with you. No, no. Uh, what Foley work is, there is a person in a sound studio who takes the raw footage from the movie and lays over sound effects where they don't have them. So, Ow. yeah. So if they're, uh, it's a shot of horses uh, slogging through water and they don't have the synced audio for that or the audio is not good. Um, they've got a guy in a studio or a girl in the studio with a tank of water pretending to be a horse sloshing through water. And they record that and mm. lay it over. Okay. Yeah. Most sound yeah. effects cannot be recorded on set and sound mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the Foley artist's job is to take those sound effects and, and build them into the finished film. Mm-hmm. So, like, anything with, like, the footsteps that you hear of, of the gunslinger walking through the hallways, that's all added later. Yeah. Because you're never going to get exactly the sound you want, or it's very difficult to get exactly the sound you want when you're on the set. Um, Yeah, or, you know, when stunt guys are punching each other and not really punching each other, uh, you have to lay in the sound of the punch over the the footage. Because, yeah, they don't actually make physical contact. Hopefully. (laughs) Even if they did make, the, 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 the punch sound that it would make if I actually contacted with your face is different than the punch sound that we are. Very different. Uh, Heck, even the gunfire sound that actual guns make versus guns in movies make is very different. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. we a lot of our our opinions, a lot of our knowledge about what things sound like is very false based on movies. Um, Thank you, movies. Thanks, movies. Bald eagles don't sound like that. They don't. Those are uh, hawks. Those are red-tailed hawks. Red-tailed hawks. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> yes. my God. Red-tailed hawks that, you know, that, that screech that you hear all yeah. the time? Yeah, it's a red-tailed That's hawk. That's a red-tailed <laughs> hawk. This is actually That's amazing. The, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a tangent, but a play I was directing recently, and I also did the sound design for, um, involved something to do with a red-tailed hawk. Mm-hmm. And so when I did the sound design, I, I worked in the red-tailed hawk sound that I knew was an <laughs> actual red-tailed hawk and not a bald eagle um, and actually went online and found the sound of a real red-tailed hawk So, because uh, the show was written by a uh, friend, Sharon Steitler, who is a birder, mm-hmm. a very, uh, she's, she's written books on birds. She's an expert on birds. She and goes was, to other countries to talk about birds to talk about professionally. Birds. And, and I was like, there's no way that I'm going to screw up the sound of a red-tailed hawk in this show. 
because I will hear no end. <laughs> she like, could tell me she she could love the rest like, of the show, and all I will hear <laughs> is how that red-tailed hawk, ta- how that how that. Bird sound was not an actual red-tailed hawk. Like, so this is the one thing you had to do. Don't screw it up. It's the one right. thing I knew I had to get right. You had was, one job. Don't get on the Reddit. Like, what is there? Like a you had one job. R backslash. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah I'm probably. Sure I'm probably. sure there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should uh, go into a few more trivia bits about this movie. Mm-hmm. Melissa, what, what information have you to share with us? Well, there's just a couple other things, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The indestructible villain trope. Mm. Um, mm. I, this is a very early example, <laughs> not the earliest example of it, because yeah. uh, when you hear directors talking about uh, movies they made in the 80s, particularly, uh, like specifically John Carpenter, um, when he's got Michael Myers in the Halloween movies, which we've watched for this podcast, which we have watched for this podcast, he he has in the past said that he was specifically thinking of indestructible Yul Brenner in this movie. Interesting. Yeah, and and also speaking of Yul Brenner, uh, he's wearing pretty much the same clothes that he was wearing in uh, Magnificent Seven, which yeah. we also watched for this podcast. We did. <laughs> yeah, and I th- we I was going to get to Yul Brenner. I mean, yeah. we have talked about him before, but it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that indestructible man trope. This is uh, definitely a really early. It, it is clear that 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 served as an inspiration, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't a trope. Before this, because the guy keeps walking away. Right. <laughs> because my God. It's just like, oh my God. Like, first I'm fine. I mean, no, not fine. I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, okay, is this killer death machine that, like, this guy <laughs> said that even splashing with acid would not work? Maybe I should just grab another cup. Maybe you should just throw all the acid on. Yeah, yeah I mean, the there guy was a told lot him, of acid. The guy told him, you can't beat him. And then it's like, oh, I just threw some acid on his face and I beat him and he That's leaves. <laughs> he leaves. And as, as the robot is stumbling for the eyewash station, which is. Pretty oh great, God. I think. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty bright for a, for a robot Wait, that has never been wa- through that. Shouldn't before. it have, you know, because it's water? And here's another thing. How, yes, is it, right. how is it that every single technician in that place, and there seemed to be a lot of them, ended up in that control room? I I, okay, why do you have a hermetically sealed control room? That's stupid. Why? Okay, okay. There's so many goddamn blinking lights in there. There have got to be <laughs> servers so, in there, and those things run like, hot. There's so no, many reasons that's be, a bad idea. There, there, have, why do you even have a control room that seals? Okay, another thing. They had chairs, right? Why didn't they even show somebody like trying to smash the window with a chair? Right? Nobody. Not one person. No, they're just like, oh, I can't break it with my elbow. I guess you it's too late. You are in a room full of metal. Yeah. And you can't break the goddamn glass. Window. Why why is there no ventilation in that yeah, room? Yeah, I mean uh, I feel Why uh, have they all suffocated? I don't know. I feel a really it, big issue with it, all of this is poor It's not underwater. Features. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it's a not. big design but, problem. But why would you I don't, make I don't, it that way? I don't way? blame the movies. I've I've blamed the oh, whoever I, do. Des- I, I blame whoever designed the park. Yeah. Clearly it was the park designers oh, that yeah, are to blame. Totally. Totally. The movie's just showing us all the dumb shit they did. <laughs> um, but, but by extension, can't we blame Michael still, Crichton for that, too? I still don't know that all the people we saw working on that park would fit into that control room. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, even for No, but there was that work... one technician on the white car, remember? That one guy? Yeah, that one guy. Hey, and what <laughs> happened to Dick Van Patten? Who? The oh, sheriff. The, yeah, I think oh. he got shot. 
Did he? Did we I see that? Did. I thought we did. I, I I don't remember seeing that, but I don't know. I, hmm. was, I'm I'm concerned about Dick Van Patten too. I am too. The I, on, as far as I'm aware, the only thing we saw in the western area was this was the two guys and one of them running away. I mean, I'm kind of surprised nobody else was like awake to die. It's like, possible that everybody else was dead and because they'd been hung over and. But like, yeah. there were a lot of they, they robots in, their in the bar. Yeah. Shouldn't yeah. they have woken up and murderized them? I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> How many tourists do they have at any one time in each of these parks? I don't know. There seem I, to be I a lot like, of them in Roman I feel world. like that's something you'd want to identify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd want to have a way to identify the tourists versus the robots. How about just yeah. like an armband? Like, hey... Tourist, tourist, man that says tourist on it. Yeah. Heck, it would even make it make it better in the like a better imagery in the end of the movie where it's like now the robots are killing all of the people with their armbands. When they're when they're in the bordello, are they all tourists? I don't or know. Or are know. some of them just robots there to make out with the other robots to make it look more real? I don't know. It, it, mm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this I'm is not, the makeout robot right I'm not, here. I'm not trying to. I'm okay, 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 okay. Oh, here. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. So, we've established that the guns can't shoot the robots because they have no body heat, right? The yeah. Those prostitutes have got to be cold. Yeah, it uh, would seem. I yeah. would think. Hmm. I, okay. <laughs> I mean, um, the, gun, but wait, the guns can shoot the robots because they've got no body heat. I anyway. So are the prostitutes? Are all the women, since they apparently are all seductible? I yeah, seducible. I, seducible. Yes. I, think Sedu- that this was, I, I like seductible. I think that this was designed by cis white males. This park. Oh no! Just, no, just no, a shit. hunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's, a hunch. That's not a. That's not a question. That's mark. not a question right there. Just, not just a, a tiny mark. little hunch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. One if, last any, thing. if any of the ladies show up with a with a fantasy to seduce the queen, it's not happening. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, who, who I, knows? I, Maybe the queen's by. This is like 1983. I'm sure that it's like well, super. It was 1973. That was, uh, no, but like well, the park well, is set, set in 1983. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. So okay. maybe, well, maybe, they... maybe all the sexy times are over in the Roman world that we didn't see okay, because another... of ratings. I'm but, sorry. But they, they, all the dudes that suffocated in that goddamn control room were all white dudes. <laughs> they yeah. were, even they though were. there was one one person of color oh, in, the, right. in the science room. You're right. But he wasn't in the control room. I mean, there were all those other scientists there who were talking about the problems with the robot who disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we don't know what happened to him. Probably died. Well, maybe, or but ran. their bodies weren't anywhere. Maybe, maybe they were able to run away. Like, and what wait, happened? Actually, what was that guy doing in the truck randomly at the border? What, what, yeah, that was weird. And what, and what happened to the robots that were killing people in the other lands? Had they all just run out of power? And if so, where were they? Did it they looked murder to me like they other? murdered all the humans and then just ran. Well, the king and queen seemed to be out of batteries. It was like it was like the end of Blazing Saddles, you know, when when they have the pie fight and then everybody mm-hmm. just runs out of the studio <laughs> and runs down the street. Maybe that's what happened to the robots. So well, they, all... they did reuse that set in Blazing Saddles. In, I, yeah, yeah, it's the I same mean, goddamn set. <laughs> you can tell that that, that 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 that's the same set as, yes. as Blazing Saddles, and maybe that's why I thought of it. Um, and uh, you know, I. Okay, can and I, we're being, one last we're thing. Being, yes. Oh, yes okay, one it. last. What's up with the gun running out of batteries? 
Yeah, you'd that think was that, weird. That was. You'd think that would be a practical effect. Wouldn't it make more sense if it just ran out of you know bullets? Yeah, I'd love <laughs> <laughs> have infinite bullets. Like that's that's. I'm honestly confused. I mean, I know the gunslinger had had like a bullet belt, but. Would it actually have real bullets in it? I don't, I don't think, know. I don't think you'd do that because There's once so again, many... once again, why would you want to give the the robots something that could actually kill a maybe, human by accident? Maybe the hackers hacked into the bullets to make them into real bullets. Or or, 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 why would you give Dick Van Patten an actual gun? Well, yeah. There's. I mean, <laughs> That's a that's another question for another time, and you know no and, and, no this is relevant now. And the thing is, we're we're asking these questions, and I liked the movie. I yeah. really did. Yes, but this is, is all super nitpicky. It is that. Kind it of, really is. It, and it is I, that kind of movie that invites these kinds of conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, well, we're getting into it because we had fun with the movie, and now yeah. we're we're having the we're having fun tearing apart the movie, right? Yeah. It's not just tearing apart. It's the Question we're, we're ingesting it. We are digesting yeah. the movie, and we are are um, speaking about you know what what they didn't get to explain in <laughs> an hour and a half or however long it was. Yeah, I think it was about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. So it's we're, um, we're doing this because we enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It, 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 I mean, it was a short movie. It is yeah. surprisingly for the time. It, it moves. At a pretty good pace, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's tight. Um, and uh, I mean, it, I... it establishes things. It raises questions. You know, the whole idea of the of the sex mm-hmm. bots. Yeah. Is I mean, it it comes off a little creepy. Yeah, yeah. it does. And okay, um, one thing I have seen recently, I I have not been watching the Westworld TV show, which there is no. one now. Yeah. Um, I believe it's wrapping up season You're two. Wrapping up season two, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the pilot for it. I haven't seen any of the rest of the series, but I saw the pilot for it at a uh, film festival last year. Okay. And I was really intrigued by the pilot because the, the setup of the show kind of takes the whole Westworld concept and... Uh, kind of puts it behind the perspective of the robots. Mm. And just that move makes it super conceptually fascinating because mm. that is the where you really start asking, well, what do you do when you put human beings in this consequence-free zone and horrible, horrible things are happening. To and great, now robots. we're talking about robot free will again. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's human beings are doing horrible things because they're not doing it to other humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what if those things, what if those creatures develop sentience, awareness yeah. of what's going on? Well, mm-hmm. then it's, I think that, I mean, personally, I just think that it's moral as long as they're essentially inanimate objects just following programming, but the moment they attain sentience, then no, it's not moral. Right. I mean, that, that, I think that that's the big dividing line here. Yeah, and the the question of the show is, like, how far do you advance these robots to become as real as possible for the Don't. amusement... Right, for the amusement of the tourists, but... You know, once they reach a certain stage and if they gain a memory of all the things that have happened to them before, uh, yeah. it gets real ugly. Mm-hmm. And so it 
it takes the sympathies for the characters completely around the other side, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. And well, I mean, you've I, only seen the pilot. Who knows? Maybe it'll just throw all that out the window and then just like get rid of all the intrigue and such, right? Well, I, I've heard it's very. I've heard the show has been very good. Okay. Good. So. Um, it yeah, has a, it had a lot of promise, and I'm glad that it seems to be following. It's through gotten a lot. I've, everything I've read about it has been positive. So while yeah. I'm not certainly an expert on the show, as I have not watched it, my understanding is it's quite good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, at at the very least, the pilot by itself is worth watching. Mm. So All right, you might get hooked, but right. uh, the the pilot in it just in and of itself as that one unit. If you've got however long it is hour and a half or so however long it runs wow it's worth a, it's worth a look just for the writing it's great sure mm-hmm. all right melissa we we are going to get close to final thoughts so i, I kind of want to know what else we need to talk about with this movie well for well we need to talk a little bit about michael crichton michael crichton because he has written everything yeah and the the andromeda strain predates this but i think that's the only like writing work that predates westworld that um like the Andromeda Strain was directed by uh, uh, Weiss. And then Crichton got this job basically making the entire movie. And then from here, you know, there, there, there was stuff like Coma and The Great Train Robbery. And then the 90s hit and everybody went nuts for Crichton's stuff. Because that's when you got Jurassic Park. and Which at the time was the biggest box office mm-hmm. hit of all time. And Twister. And he created ER, the TV show. Um, and then, you know, there were other things that weren't so great like Congo And <clears throat> Timeline is really terrible. And 13th Warriors. Yeah, that's... Uh, mm. But anyway, anyway. And even The Lost World. Um, yeah. And so a remarkable creator, nonetheless... And, uh, I mean, he was he was born in, I believe it was Chicago, and then went to the East Coast and studied to be a doctor and then uh, wrote novels under a pseudonym while he was studying to be a doctor, and that fell through when he actually won an award that had to be picked up in person. So uh, he left medical school <laughs> and went out to, to Hollywood, like I said earlier, and just started making movies, and the rest is history for him. Uh, Until like mid two thousand when he died. Yeah, uh, he. Now died... it's no longer history for him. Yeah, he died in uh, two thousand eight. <laughs> two thousand eight. It wasn't tragic. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't tragic. I think it was just. Although his son was born after he died, one of his children. Was yeah, born. yeah. So that's kind of tragic. That kid never knew his dad. Yeah, that's very. Sad. Also tragic. Uh, some information I learned is that he uh, he was a, a climate change denier. So that's pretty tragic. Uh. Yeah, that's really tragic. You know, especially when he's somebody who's writing about. The ills of technology. <laughs> yeah, you, then, well, he had some really wackadoo uh, beliefs in at certain periods in time. Like at at one point in the eighties, he had an exorcism done. <laughs> he he believed there was some sort of entity uh, following him throughout his life, and he had an exorcism done. Did he feel better about it after that? I mean, <laughs> Apparently, he did. If he did, then I guess all right. There, I guess confirmation uh, bias really is a thing. Well, it is a thing, but at least he felt better. I guess. Uh, I, I guess he he felt it looked like the Chernabog from Fantasia. Well, I would have thought that was back. awesome. Right? Yeah. I would have been into that. Yeah, it would, and and apparently it was a helpful like, spirit or something. I don't wait, know. Why would you wanna, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> wait, if I if that was wait. me, I would be like, can you make it like 
more real? <laughs> okay, so Wait. I found an article about uh, Wait, uh, okay. this 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 period of his life, and it ended with. I will quote this because I found this amazing. Later, when he described the ex- the exorcism experience to his psychologist, she replied, a lot of people are having experiences like that. Really? <laughs> oh, yes. Entities are very big now. <laughs> End of article. <laughs> um, All right. All right. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, I, I was going to say something, but um, it's hard to follow. Yeah, that out, really. yeah. it really is. And then um, and and okay, Josh Brolin, or, uh, Josh Brolin's dad is in this movie. James right, Brolin. James Brolin. James Brolin. Um, he's the one who looks like Josh Brolin. <laughs> but uh, he was uh, big in the seventies. He was in the Amityville Horror, and uh, you know later on, uh, Von Ryan's Express, which is really good for punching Nazis. And uh, in the early 2000s, he was in stuff like Traffic and Catch Me If You Can and, and so on and so forth. But anyway, uh, his son, Josh Brolin, is doing very well in the Marvel Universe right now. Yes. He, he might have dusted himself. He, he might have dusted himself. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, he d- plays two roles he in the Marvel Thanos Universe. He plays Thanos and he plays... He it's not the Marvel cable. Cinematic Universe, but it's still. He's Cable. He's Cable, which means theoretically. <laughs> yeah, he, he just dusted himself. Theoretically, there's a 50% well, chance. There's a 50% <laughs> chance he, he dusted himself. And we might get an answer eventually. I mean, <laughs> maybe not. Marvel doesn't really care about its TV side very much. Well, no, that's not the TV side. That's Deadpool. But, oh, but, oh, but Deadpool is oh. an official Marvel Cinematic Universe. So mm-hmm. anyway. Anyway. That's so... Anyway, James, but it, but it's Deadpool, which means he can reference it. Yeah, wow. of course he can. And yes. we talked about Yul Brenner before. Yeah, because we we watched him in Magnificent Seven. Right, and so we've got Dick Van Patten, who I adore. We do. <laughs> From Eight is Enough. From Eight is Enough, and and Freaky Friday, and Spaceballs, and a uh, whole bunch of Mel Brooks things. I think a lot of movies that just. We almost Glam had a cat. You cat- almost heard a big thump. We almost <laughs> had a catastrophe. Okay. So Dick Van Patten has some of the most useless trivia on IMDb Sweet. on his page. <laughs> Come on, go. He had a pretty good memory. <laughs> unquote. That's it, all it says. That's, that's literally what says. he had a pretty good memory. There was a bunch of other things. That's on Wikipedia? Dick no, it's on, no, it's, it's, on it's on IMDb. It's on IMDb. There, there's another bit of trivia on uh, the IMDb trivia list, which is he was not involved with the Hollywood blacklist. Okay. 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 I, I guess mean, not. Good for him. Was there I guess. another Van Patten who was involved in the Hollywood? I don't Black? know. <laughs> good for him. There he were a lot. I mean, I don't know who 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 was. In, I don't have that list in my head. So maybe there was, and maybe that's why it's a note. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. Well, I um, mean, it, maybe uh, Dick was, Van Patten was in Hollywood forever. He was a child actor on Broadway, and then soon maybe was he was a good actor, and, but as a person, he was so uninteresting just, that that was the best trivia they could come up with. I maybe. don't know. He wasn't blacklisted, and, and he had a. Pretty yeah, good pretty memory. good memory. <laughs> he had a pretty good memory. W- were any of the other ones any interesting, or were all of them of that quality of trivia? Well, let's see. Alan Oppenheimer, who was a supervisor in the control room, uh, he was like most of the off-screen voices in Neverending Story, so he voiced Falcor and stuff. Huh, cool. Huh. Uh, also, he was the voice of Skeletor in... He-Man and the Masters in cool. the Universe. Well, let's hope he wasn't in a hermetically sealed room when he was doing that. <laughs> I hope not. 
I presume not, since he has. Because if they cut the power, <laughs> he was hosed. Who makes? Okay, again. Who makes a who door makes you can't door? get out of when you cut the power? In the server room. My God. What, you would think why? any kind of any kind of seal that would require elect- electricity to to work wouldn't work when the electricity got turned off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, what was up with the temperature going up? If there's a virus that like makes them die of air, why even bother making the temperature well, the go up? The temperature's going up because there's yeah. all those light emitting diodes in the room. But how are they on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know. the blinking lights are still going. Okay, uh, yeah, it's it's hot because it's the server room. Because server rooms do get hot. That's, they do, but they, they, they should be on. My God, they should not be. <laughs> Maybe they, the <laughs> filmmakers thought it would be boring if the like it was pitch black. Well, know. of course it, it would have been boring if it was pitch black. So come up with a different explanation. <laughs> was it geothermally heated or say, something? No. I don't know. How about this? You say your computer was hacked or something. If it's hacked, it, it. it was 1973. They did not know these terms. Oh, they didn't? Oh. No, that, that's not something that was really happening oh. at that time. I mean, I, I suppose it was pot, but... Well, be, we, we, we do have computer viruses in the world by 1973. True, but, like, but hacking still hacking is, no is not really term. a widespread concept. No, no. Hackers if it was made today, it would, de- it would probably be that, so that there wouldn't be so much contrivance. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're, they, they are trying to get, think is happening in the TV show Westworld. Yeah, maybe in the TV show. not realizing that it's actually the robots that are developing sentience rather than them being hacked. Anyway. Yeah, yeah we don't even have phone freaking by this time. No. So there are a lot of things we don't have. Yeah. All right. So I've got stories to tell about phone freaking. Anyway, <laughs> uh, one more thing. <clears throat> the Madam of the Brothel. Yes. Did you recognize her? I did. That, I don't know actors. She is one of the uh, unsung heroes of the Star Trek universe. Majel Barrett. Majel Barrett. She is the voice of the computer in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Deanna Troy's mother, Waxana Troy. Yep. And uh, she was married to some guy named Gene some Roddenberry. Guy named Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. She was also Nurse Chapel. Is that uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of any of these people. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, but some of our listeners have, and that's why we shared it. Um, all right. So we are getting pretty much to that, that final thoughts point. I will refer you to... Um, to uh, our our Magnificent Seven episode because we did talk quite extensively yeah. about Yul Brenner. And Yul Brenner is awesome. Oh, he's great in this film. I and love says, Yul Brenner. Give Yul Brenner some mirrored contacts and just let him look oh, stoic. And he says oh. nothing. He, he he says hardly a thing in the entire movie. Yeah, he's he's so just great. like Well, I mean, looks- at the, uh, except for like the beginning scene, like after he turns rogue, he doesn't say anything. Right, he says one as as they get into that final gunfight. Mm-hmm. He does. He, he says something before he shoots James Brolin dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's not much. He has almost no lines, and yeah. that's that's one of the things that's truly impressive about a role that is very iconic. I mean, when you consider that 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 face that stalker character that that halloween character that terminator character was inspired by what yul brenner did yeah. mm-hmm. really good work and and the posters for the movie feature his face i mean it, it's but he was it the, is a striking image just. he was easily the biggest star in the film oh god yeah definitely yeah um all right so i think we ought to get to final thoughts so uh we will start alex we would like your final thought about westworld uh, I mean, I kind of rambled on at the beginning about uh, what I thought about the film, so I guess I'll keep it brief. Um, again, it was... I mean, I, I 
I enjoy a film that has like that's enjoyable but has just enough plot holes that you can that you can be like, oh, what about this? What about that? I don't know. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the movie. I enjoyed tearing it apart. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Overall, two great experiences rolled into one. Must see. Uh, there you go, <laughs> Melissa. Final thoughts. Dick Van Patten was the founder of Natural Balance Dog Food, and that is indeed the brand of dog to- food that I feed to my dogs. <laughs> That's it's great. good stuff. Uh, my final thought is just I thought that bar fight was uh, perfect. When, when they're like, it's time for the bar fight. And oh, then yeah. it was the most stereotypical Western bar <laughs> fight ever. Yeah. Every was, single move has been shown a million times before. I was watching the uh, credits with rapt attention because I was wondering if Hal Needham had choreographed that bar fight because uh, that very much looked like a Hal Needham bar fight. It wasn't. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I was really hoping because then I would have really gone on the Hell Needham train <laughs> to nowhere. We, yeah. yeah. But we've already gone. On we've already Hell gone Needham on train. the Hell Needham train. All right. So uh, anyway, that was Westworld. We hope you enjoyed it. Our, our next movie is going to be Ocean's Eleven, and I should specify it is the 2001 Ocean's Eleven. Yep. Oh, wow. That that recent. Oh, not I didn't the know that. classic Ocean's Eleven. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, not we'll, not the not the. We'll discuss why. After watching that film, uh, no, uh, no, no, the first one. Come fight me, people! I hate that one. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, well, you got to save it for the podcast. Oh no, I have plenty saved for the podcast. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Unfortunately, <laughs> I will not be able to join you because I've already seen this one. Oh, all right. I mean, you could take me on as like a, a, a fourth guest of like somebody who's watched the movie before but knows nothing, basically nothing about it, anyways. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, really. We'll think about it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you very much, Alex, for joining us. Thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, We'll be back next time with Ocean's Eleven. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education.